for episode six. We are so excited to be back with you. This is almost like a second part to Mm -hmm. our last series, episode five. Um, So we're so excited to be with you again today. Yes. Hi, everybody. So today, well, let's talk, let's back up. Last week, we talked about um, like how to set up, like kind of like logistics of how to set up your classroom um, to support independence um, for writers workshop. And so um, we thought today would be almost like a part two, um, adding on to that. Um, And so today we're going to talk about how do we build a writing community? And so um, what I often think about is Jennifer Saravello's work um, in her writing strategies book. I think that's what it was. Um, she has this really great visual, which we'll put up possibly on our Instagram, um, of a hierarchy of writing goals. At the top of that hierarchy is engagement. And I think she writes, Um, and says that without engagement, we ain't got nothing. So, um, and I think that's so true, right? It's like we could spin our wheels all day long, talking and thinking and brainstorming together about like, what do we do in small groups? Or what are the greatest strategies for this and this and this? And what's the most powerful mini lesson? But if we don't have kids that are engaged in writing, during writing workshop time, then the whole thing's just going to fall apart. Right. A hundred percent. Yeah. So like, you know, today we're going to talk about, um, how do we start to build that community and bring all kids in, invite all kids in, into that community of, um, writers. Yeah. And I think that's important whether or not kids have been together for a long time, or whether they're, we're thinking about kids who are new to a school. I think regardless that the first week or even more, maybe Mm -hmm. we're spending time building our writing community. Yeah. We, we put our writing community hats on and we started to think about all the ways that Mm -hmm. um, we can help you guys create that strong writing community so that kids are engaged and they want to be there and show up every day for writing workshop, which is what we want, right? Absolutely. Okay. So let's get to it. Um, What do you think of first and foremost, um, when you think about setting up a writing community, what comes to mind first? Um, So I think really letting kids think about, and, and I'm going to speak for like our littlest kids, our youngest learners, um, getting really to their hearts, like what matters to them, mm-hmm. um, and giving them opportunities to share with each other what's close to their heart to practice storytelling, what's close to their heart. Um, and so one of my favorite ways to do that is through heart maps, mm-hmm. which I believe is Georgia Hurd's yes. work. Um, in fact, there's a whole book on heart maps and how we can use them. I love that. Um, and I actually learned about heart maps going way back. Um, I actually think it was Kathleen Tolan who mm-hmm. introduced us to heart maps way back when 
Um, and we just drew a heart on a piece of paper and we thought about um, all the things that are close to our heart, people that are close to our heart, places that are close to our heart, um, times we've had that memories that are close to our heart. And we just drew them on there. But when I think about our youngest kids, the way that I've done that is um, to send it home and mm -hmm. have them talk with their parents um, and put pictures in their heart or have their um, parents talk through or caregivers talk through um, with the child, special things, moments, people that are, are close to them. And then I think the biggest part is giving kids an opportunity to share those with their classmates in partnerships, in small groups, mm -hmm. and just get this idea going um, about what's special to us and who we are. Yeah. I love that. What about and you? Yeah. I mean, I think like what I'm hearing you say, like, you know, heart maps is just one tool or method that we might use to like start to get to know our students. Yeah. Right. For me, of course, probably for all of us. Um, when I think about ways that we build a community, it's really about building relationships. And so everything that we're doing inside of a writing workshop, really inside of a reading workshop too, but I think it's especially important for writing because I feel like writing is a vulnerable thing uh -huh. that may be a little bit different from reading, depending on, you know, how you're reading and interpreting a text, right? But like writing, I'm sharing so much of myself and I'm putting it on the page and I have to be vulnerable to be able to share it with you. Um, to share it with my classmates, regardless of the age of the kid or even the person. I mean, even as an adult, right? Like to share my writing, I have to be vulnerable and comfortable. So how do I start to um, get to know kids? How do I start to build trust and relationships with them? Um, I think heart maps is definitely a good way. I think there's um, other ways too. Like one thing that I always start with with teachers and then, you know, encourage them to do this with their students is um, a writing timeline um, of when did writing feel good versus when in times in your life when writing has felt challenging. Yeah. And that's a great way um, just to get, um, get some perspective on kids and how do they feel about writing? Um, do they see themselves as writers? Um, and then what, what in particular made um, writing challenging for them, right? And then I want to seek to understand their perspective, where they're coming from, and then obviously hope to um, avoid some of those pitfalls for them. So, um, so yeah, I think a writing timeline is another thing um, that I can do to kind of get at who are you, right? And start to build that relationship. Yeah. And, and I love when you do a writing timeline and, and whenever I do it with teachers, we think about like a T chart, like a yeah. plus minus, but also we can do like a high point and low point yeah. and then as the teacher, how valuable that is to look at it and say, what are those low points or what are those times? And then, so I know that, you know, maybe coming up with ideas is, is hard, free writing. I often see that like, okay, great. Then I need to do a better job of helping you to come up with, with ideas and what to write about. Mm -hmm. And I could see, I love to see those kinds of things in the front of writer's notebooks. Yes. And I know that the teacher has taken some time to get to know their kids. 
Mm-hmm. And I think along those same lines, you hit on something really important, this idea of trust and that, um, that when my teacher sits next to me, that she's there to A, value what I'm doing, mm-hmm. B, make me feel good about what I'm doing and C, teach me something. Mm-hmm. And so one of my favorite ways, I think, to um, get to know our kids one-on-one is compliment conferences. Mm-hmm. I mean, it's so sad to me when I'm in a classroom and I sit down next to a kid and maybe they start to cover what they're writing. Has that ever happened to you? Like they're worried about what you're going to say. And then I just think, oh my gosh, let me just tell you what something great that you're doing Mm -hmm. Uh, and just really name, sit with them the whole first, I don't even know how long. Yeah. Sit with kids and just notice and name what they're doing well Mm -hmm. and what you want them to keep doing. And make it real concrete, really yep. concrete. Wow, I saw you came up with an idea and you got started right away. Keep doing that. Or I saw you mm-hmm. looking at your writing folder to get an idea. Such a smart idea. Keep doing that, right? And just be real specific and clear, but always just phrase the positive. And you're going to start to see your writer sit up a little straighter mm-hmm. and, and kind of watch you go around the classroom because they actually want you to sit next to them. Instead mm-hmm. of cowering because they're afraid of what we might say. Absolutely. Yeah. Those compliment conferences, or sometimes we call them cheerleading mm-hmm. conferences, are so very powerful. And I always say um, that's how we should launch every unit of study, right? For writing, not just the beginning of the year, but anytime we're launching, and even sometimes when we're launching a new bend of a unit. Um, That's where I like wear the skates around the room and get around to every single kid, making sure that I'm naming something that they're already doing. Right. Mm -hmm. Oh my gosh. I think of myself as a writer. If I would have had that as a very young student, um, how that might've changed the course (laughs) of my own writing life. Right. So they're very powerful. Yeah. Okay. Um, you know, you had mentioned writing notebooks. Um, and so in the upper grades, we typically, um, kids are writing in a notebook, um, at least while they're generating and rehearsing ideas. Um, and so I think another thing that we can do to start to build that um, writing community, well, one of the things that, think, that I think of is allowing kids to decorate their notebook right at the start of the year. Um, and that serves lots of purposes. One is that it, it really presents this idea of this is yours. This is not a notebook that is going to be necessarily for me to collect and put my red pen and grade, right? This is yours. This is something that real authors have, mm-hmm. and I want you to feel like you own it. Um, and then it also serves um, a second purpose in that it does offer, offer, excuse me, an opportunity to get to know the kid because they're probably going to bring in pictures of special moments in their lives or pictures of things that mean a lot to them, of hobbies that they have, and they can glue it on the outside of their notebook. So um, again, it's like if a kid is stuck and doesn't really have an idea of things to, to write about, we could kind of take a little tour of their notebook and just engage in a conversation 
with them around their notebook. I mean, relationship first, right? That's like, mm-hmm. <laughs> that's my big thing for today is relationships first. Like, yeah, okay, you're, you're stuck and you can't generate ideas or, oh man, you don't know how to spell X, Y, Z. Well, but if I don't know you as a person, as an individual, then it's going to be really hard for me to start giving you feedback on, you know, the, the, the strategies uh, of good writing. So um, writing notebooks um, and decorating them, I think are a great thing to, to start the year with. Yes. And as a parent, I actually have my girls writing notebooks and it's mm-hmm. so fun to look at what, not only what pictures and things they put on the cover, but like you said, it's really their place to gather ideas and to go back through and see all of their generating ideas, strategies, and all of that. So fun. It's like a little memory, walk down memory lane. Yeah. And in the same way for primary Um, So as upper grade kids use notebooks, primary children use writing folders and our favorite folders are the kind that have the plastic sleeve in the front. Mm -hmm. Uh, And so sending home a piece of cardstock Mm -hmm. um, with a letter to parents as like one of the first assignments to um, help your child put together a collage, if you will, or um, drawings. I've had writing folder covers be drawings of things again kind of that same idea as the heart map just special moments in their life that they can look back on and um, get ideas for and then that stays in the cover of the writing folder and um, maybe the heart map goes if you decide to do that goes on the back and then they have lots of places to go to and again like what you're saying this relationships first then I can have conversations with them um, about their siblings or about their parents or about grandparents or we can just really get to know who they are as little people yeah Uh, and just that we we know that talking through story is really helpful too and so just having something tangible to look at and to talk to Mm -hmm. about is so powerful which really leads into the next thing, like what you just said, how do we build writing community? I mean, one of the ways we build community is giving spaces and time throughout the day for kids to talk, mm-hmm. talk, talk, talk. Um, I always say, if you can say it, you can write it. Mm-hmm. Um, and so thinking of how can we carve out literally like three minutes, five minutes um, to give kids a chance to share. Um, and sometimes like, yeah, maybe let's just rehearse our, let's say we're in a narrative unit. Let's just rehearse our narrative story. But I do think there's value in building a community and trust and relationship building. And like, we're not even going to talk about necessarily anything academic. Um, in, uh, have you read, well, you may not have, cause it's more of an upper grade book. Um, Shauna Frazen's new book on talk. Uh-uh. Okay. That's a great, great, great book. They talk about in that book, creating like topic clubs for kids. So, you know, upper grade, you know, we may have like a coding club of kids that are interested in coding. We may have like a cheerleading club of girls that are girls and boys that are interested in cheerleading. Right. And so just giving kids um, a time and a space to talk about a particular topic that they are interested in and that they love and how that could really then 
carry forward and support them um, really with all things, right? Um, Because again, it's like we're building relationships, we're practicing our talk, which every time we practice our talk, we're essentially practicing our writing, right? So um, I loved that idea from that book. Yeah, and that talk, how it transfers into our, again, our youngest kids is through oral storytelling. Yeah. Um, I, when I taught first grade every day after lunch, we would come in and just practice oral storytelling. Mm -hmm. And what that would look like would be, I would start with a shared experience. Um, we had ants in our lunch bin one time. And so, (laughs) you know, that was a big deal. Everybody's lunches had ants all over them, but it was, this idea that we would oral story, tell that story. Like I might start it off and we would just practice telling that story. And then I would turn it over to them and they would turn and tell their partner, like what happened next in the story. And just, again, I love what you said about if you can talk it, you can write it. Mm -hmm. And so we just talked through it. And then the next step is to actually like, I would hold a blank booklet and I would have kids, you know, hold their hands up as if that's the first page and they would touch and tell what, how that story would go on the first page. We would flip the page. Now turn and tell your partner what would happen on the next page, flip, turn and tell. And for, and then we get our booklets got bigger. And then we, you know, tried to add in dialogue, all of these things that were so helpful uh, when we actually got to paper and pen. Right they had ideas. And if they didn't have an idea, then they could go back to that ants in the lunch bin story or some other mm-hmm. story. It would always start with a shared experience, but of course I would turn it over to them and say, oh my gosh, think of a story to tell your partner, hold up your blank booklet, touch and tell, turn the page, touch and tell, turn the page. And they got so good at storytelling when I handed them that booklet for them to do their writing. It was amazing to see. Right. And, and they were, they got so good at it. Yeah. And I think, you know, you're speaking of this as a primary structure or thing that we might do in primary, but I think that we need to be doing more of this in the upper grades too, right? It may be a little bit more, obviously, anteed up a little bit more sophisticated um, where we're prompting kids to do those um, or utilize those writing skills that we've already taught them. But I do think this idea of orally rehearsing um, anything, even if it's orally rehearsing a, an essay. So maybe we watch a short, you know, a short, a, a Pixar short, and then we start to unpack and analyze, oh, what was a the theme in this? Right. And we have kids turn and talk, like, what are some of the themes? And then we do sort of a shared writing experience, um, that can really support kids, um, with this idea of, of, you know, how, when they go to write independently, um, how are they going to frame their essays? And, and so, so in, I'm, I am babbling, sorry. Um, but or, oral storytelling is what we're trying to say, like do it yes. all the time. <laughs> <laughs> it builds community um, and also supports them with their writing skills. Yay. Okay. So other ideas, ways that we can build writing community. Well, and kind of along with that idea is um, taking that oral storytelling and then moving into like shared writing. Mm -hmm. So 
what that might look like is the kids are doing the talking and the sharing of the experience and the teachers doing the writing. Yes. So then we have this shared experience that we've all participated in building community, building relationships, and we've produced, or I, as the teacher have produced a piece of writing that can become a mentor text for kids Mm -hmm. for them to look at, to see, um, how do we add things to our pictures? What do I do when I get to the end of the line? You know, all of those things that um, we want kids to have a model for. We've now taken this shared experience, something that we've experienced together, and now have have an actual piece of writing from that. Mm-hmm. Which that also gets me thinking about how important it is that kids see us as the teacher, as writers. Right. Yes. So yes. Um, we, we have to sort of live the work that we're teaching. Um, and so um, I think part of being a strong writing teacher is being a writer, you know, ourselves um, and sharing that with kids. Um, so if you haven't ever um, written in front of your kids, um, that's definitely something that I would start doing that's going to build that community and that trust and that rapport. Um, and then also I think of when I'm planning for a unit of study, um, I kind of can do some like backwards planning and start to literally do the work that I'm going to be asking kids to do. Um, so, and that, that serves again, multiple purposes of like, A, kids are getting to see me write and getting to see my writing, but then also um, I'm building my own content knowledge um, and it's going to make me a stronger teacher. Yeah. Yeah. And something you had mentioned when you were talking about the shared writing um, is um, turn and talk to a partner, right? Which I think that's another thing that we really believe strongly in when we're setting up a writing community is setting up kids with a writing partner. And that's yeah. going to be someone that they um, usually at least across a unit of study that they will be um, constantly sharing with and practicing the or- oral storytelling and practicing cheerleading um, each other and um, giving each other some little tips or feedback along the way. And I think that is a way to build again, that community of writers, because it's like none of us write in complete isolation. You know, if I am composing an email that I want to send out to, um, you know, teachers or colleagues, I might share it with you, Shara, and say, hey, what do you think? Um, So we're always um, seeking out that support. So I think we want to mirror that in, um, in our classrooms. Yeah. And, and for, again, our youngest kids, we've talked about making sure that those writing partners are people um, who they work well with. Yeah. Right. And that it's not um, a tutoring situation where we put our highest writer with our lowest writer, but we really think more about what kids can work together, which ones are going to be compatible really and it's okay if you have triads in your partners. We could do a whole nother podcast about partnerships. Oh yeah, for sure. Um, but triads are great if you have a friend who 
um, is a little bit tricky or, you know, doesn't work well with um, lots of kids in your class, putting the, the tricky friend with a partnership and kind of moving that friend around into a triad is a great strategy. If you have kids that are absent a lot or um, get pulled out for different reasons, putting them into triads is great. Mm-hmm. Um, and, and letting them know, we talked about too in primary, about letting them know and putting a structure in place to um, which friend's going to go first. So we might call them like peanut butter and jelly partners. And today peanut butter is going to go first and tomorrow jelly is going to go first. Just so that if you have kids who are on the quieter side, that they can always have a chance to start the conversation or to share their writing first and that they always get, get a turn. So writing partners, right? We just talked about writing partners. What else can we be doing to build our community for writer's workshop, do you think? I mean, I think that um, a big part of this is making sure we're immersing students in writing. So making sure we've got a lot of um, writing mentors that we're reading aloud, that are visible in our classroom, um, sort of immersing them in whatever genre it is that we're currently writing. Um, I think that helps build that community and um, also, you know, obviously a sense of um, the genre we're writing in too. I love that. Yeah. So um, go ahead. Do you have some examples of writing mentor texts that you have? Um, I do. I mean, I think that we're launching the year with narrative. So, um, you know, there's so many great narratives out there. I think um, My Poppy Has a Motorcycle is um, a great personal narrative. Um, and I, re- I really like it for upper grades because often we're teaching them, you know, not to write just about one time when I scored the soccer goal, but we're teaching them about thinking of like, why was that? experience meaningful to you. And this story really does that, right? It's not just a story about her riding the motorcycle with her, her poppy, but it's like, what is, what does that mean to her? And also a story about her community and how it's changing and her love for the community. So I really like it for that reason. Love it. Um, what about you? Do you have um, a book or two? I do. One of um, my favorites is called Kitchen Dance. And it's by Maury Manning. And it is really about one moment because that's what we're really working on in primary. And um, the author does so much in this book, so many craft moves that are perfect for primary kids. There's sound words, there's ellipses, there's sets of three. um, There's some strong verbs in there instead of just walked or ran. So I love kitchen dance for that reason. Um, And I could really see kids seeing themselves in this book, which I think is also an important part Mm -hmm. of building this community. Yeah, I was thinking too, I'm sure you know this book, The Proudest Blue. Oh yeah. Um, And I love it because too, just like you're saying, I think a lot of kids will see themselves in this story. Um, And it's a great, um, you know, little personal narrative. about a little girl and her older sister going to school and her older sister is wearing the hijab for the first time. Mm -hmm. Um, 
And again, just in that same way of my poppy has a motorcycle, it's not just a, oh, it's the first day I'm going to school story, but there's obviously a lot of um, meaning tucked into that. And I also like it because the author shares a lot of like internal thinking Mm -hmm. and not just internal thinking from the main character, but also some internal thinking from the minor characters. So some really great um, craft moves that I think kids could um, learn a lot from. Awesome. I love that book. That's one of my favorites. In fact, my um, one of my daughters was just going through my books last night and she's like, where's that picture book that I love so much? And that's the one she was looking for. That one in the big red lollipop. Like she loves uh-huh. those two books. She was just reading them last night. Um, okay. So I have another one. Um, it's not super deep, but it's um, perfect. Again, like that small moment narrative, narrative it's called um, There Might Be Lobsters, and it's by Carolyn Creamy. Creamy. Um, and it's about a little girl and her dog. And again, I think I love this one so much because of the craft moves that the author uses that primary kids can really mimic and mentor themselves after she's her lead is dialogue and I I use this book all the time during revision to have kids look at their leads and see if they could start with dialogue Um, and not just any dialogue but dialogue that really sets you up for how your story is going to go so there might be lobsters so cute oh cute yeah so um, a third book I was thinking of is called ride the wind by Nicola Davies Um, And I was thinking of this book because in upper grade classrooms, um, when we're in a narrative unit, they don't just write personal narratives, but Mm -hmm. some classrooms may be doing um, realistic fiction. And so this is a great, I think, mentor text for that. Um, It's a story about a young boy um, who, you know, whose father's a fisherman. And um, anyways, they end up catching accidentally um, a bird. and it's kind of the little boy's story of trying to save the bird. So Aww. it's a really beautiful story, lots rich in meaning. I think you could read easily in the upper grades, use that for both reading and writing. I think we've talked about that before too. You yeah. know, a lot of these books um, that we end up picking, they're not just mentors for writing, but we could also use them to practice some reading skills too. Love it. I don't know that one. I'm going to have to add that to my Amazon cart. Mm-hmm. It's a good one. Okay, and then the last one that I have is really, really appropriate for kindergarten, beginning of the year kindergarten. Um, it's called A Squiggly Story and by Andrew Larson and Mike Lowry. And it's about a little boy um, who wants to be like his sister, who's a really good reader and a writer, and he doesn't really know how to write. Mm. And so... Um, he's making swirls and squiggles and then he's making some letters and he's practicing labeling and so it's all those things that we want our youngest kids to be able to do um and then the sister's asking him questions and he ends up like telling his story through his words not necessarily what's on the paper and so I think it's just a beautiful um example for our youngest writers that they can write stories, even though they can't maybe conventionally write. Um, and so I just love it so much. A squiggly story. It's so cute. Oh, that's awesome. Good. Yeah. So that, that gives, um, our listeners some ideas of some books. If you don't already have them, maybe you could, um, 
borrow them from the library even. And I know some of these titles that we shared are actually available on Epic now. Oh. Um, yeah, which feels really nice. You could get it for free. Yeah. Um, yeah, so I think that's definitely something we wanna be doing, not just at the start of the year, obviously, but that's a practice we wanna to start to build that community of writers. Um, Cause we know that, you know, in order to be a strong writer, um, we have to read a lot, right? And we learn from mentors. So um, definitely that's part of it. What do you think? think displaying them on like a bookshelf um, during that unit of study, or I would sometimes have a basket of books next to my teaching area of mentor text. So if kids did want to revise or wanted to see how someone else had done it, um, they were free to just grab those, those books at their will and, and have them part of their community. Absolutely. Yeah. That goes back to like what we were talking about last week, how the environment Mm -hmm. supports kids and being independent. And so um, we want to make sure we have a place in our room where those mentor texts are housed for sure. Yes. Yeah. Okay. So what else? I guess there might be a, something else we could do to build community. Um, so I think the last thing or one of the last things is sort of at the end of the unit, this idea is at the end of the unit and sometimes mini places mm -hmm. throughout the unit. But if we think about celebrations and bringing our community together, our classroom community, but maybe even extending it. Um, I think we talked about in a prior episode about audience and how important audience is and that kids know that they're not just writing for us. And so one way that we can let kids know that they're not just writing for us and build community is to have writing celebrations. Yeah, I love that. Um, and so what are some writing celebrations that you've seen? Let's give our listeners some ideas of celebrations that you've seen or that you've done. So I, I really like gallery walks, um, mm -hmm. having like a page at the back of a blank page. I have so many cute examples of compliment pages or authors, note pages, or a page at the back of the their published work um, where their classmates and or other friends, parents, buddy classes, et cetera, can come in and leave a little message mm -hmm. to their, the writer. Um, and, and when I've done this with parents, brought parents in, um, I would try to have them pull something off of the anchor chart and mm -hmm. say, I like how you brought your characters to life or your speech bubbles are awesome or um, your lead is really exciting or something like that so that it's connected, the compliment is connected to past teaching. That's a little bit trickier with our youngest kids. Um, mm -hmm. First graders can do it. Kindergartners, they're like, I like your pictures. <laughs> yes, exactly. I will never forget when I was in fourth grade, we wrote autobiographies. And at the end of that, our teacher um, had an author's tea where we invited all of our, you know, family members and special people. And um, we dressed up all fancy and we got to share um, a portion of our autobiography, you know, with the, with the audience. And I just will never, 
ever, ever forget that experience, how special that was um, to all of us. So I think, um, you know, sometimes we do smaller things like, you know, celebrations don't have to be as big as that, but sometimes yeah. we do smaller things like what you're saying, like even little post-it compliments or things in the back. And sometimes we might want to, depending on the genre and if it makes sense, you know, to think about, um, doing bigger celebrations like that, where we invite people in. Um, I've also, go ahead. Oh, I've also seen like, um, at one school I was at in middle school, it was, it was really cool. One time they, um, contacted like a local coffee house and the kids, they had like an open mic night where the kids got to go and share their writing. Um, and obviously that was more open to the community. Um, so that was really a cool celebration idea too. I love that. I was going to say, I saw a couple of um, cool things over COVID where, you know, if we really value celebrations, how can we make those happen? Um, just even like zooming in with parents and putting them in breakout rooms, like one child and several parents and the child reads their writing out loud. And the parents, again, like give those compliments. Of course, it's um, verbal compliments, but it still means so much to the writer. Um, mm -hmm. And then Padlets. Didn't you do something with Padlets for a yes. writing celebration? I did. So I was able to run some little writing boot camps. And so um, what we did is we just had the kids put their um, published writing on a Padlet. And then just kind of how you're describing, they got to go into breakout rooms and share it. And then Padlet naturally is set up where kids can comment or um, share little videos and, you know, give each other feedback. So um, Padlet's a great way, you know, to, to share that out um, and to have one place where all that writing can go for sure. Awesome. I love that. Yeah. So I think whether in person or if we can't have outsiders inside our classrooms, just finding a place in the space for us to not only strengthen our classroom community, but bring in other people and give them an opportunity to celebrate all the hard work that our kids have done. Yeah. Well, I think that's a pretty comprehensive list, right? I mean, no, um, not, no short list here, you know, in yeah. terms of things that we can do to create and build community with each other. But I think if we can really keep this at the heart of what we do, um, we're going to have success in, in growing strong mm -hmm. writers. Mm -hmm. uh, it will pay off. Mm -hmm. And we would love to hear if, if our listeners do other things to build community. So I'm sure there are other amazing ideas out there. So let us know, and we would love to share those out with all of you. Absolutely. Um, and just as always, um, feel free to reach out to us with questions or future topics that you'd love to hear on this podcast. And um, we'd love to hear more from you guys. And we hope that you are off and running, most of you, with the start of your year. You have some ideas now of not only ways to set up your classroom, but ways throughout the year to build community. Love it. Okay, until next time. And I think this is a part two, like a two-part series, right? I think next week we're going to talk about building a reading community, right? Yep, come back for okay. that one. Yes. All right, until next time. Bye. Bye. Bye.